It's the Tennessee Star Report with Michael Patrick Leahy. Call and be heard. 615-737-9522 or 1-800-688-9522. 800-688-WLAC. Now, here's Michael Patrick Leahy. Good morning, Nashville. It is 5.06 a.m. We are broadcasting live from our studios on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. Many thanks to Ben Cunningham for sitting in for me over the past couple days. And Scooter, I am glad to be back in the seat where we're going to cover all of the news of the day here in Nashville, Tennessee. Went down to Florida, doing a little bit of business. I'm glad to be back in Tennessee. Tennessee is the greatest state in the entire United States. So just, uh, just a note on that. Well... Things have not gotten any better since I was last here speaking with you. There is a story. We've got some national news and some uh, uh, some um, state news as well. But let me talk about this national news at Just the News, our friend John Solomon. Here's a headline. Evidence mounts that Biden manufactured, manufactured weeks-long false narrative on Afghanistan. Canceled congressional report, request to Afghan president to peddle story, quote, whether it is true or not, raise alarm, and there's talk of impeachment. Here's the story. The long saga of the Russia collusion scandal, during which law enforcement, media, political operatives, and intelligence assets manufactured a two-year illusion of a Trump-Russia conspiracy that did not exist, raised questions about a new era of political warfare in which false realities could be foisted upon the American public. The bungled, bloody U.S. exit from Afghanistan now has some fearing. The Biden administration practiced deception by omission and commission to create a two-month false narrative that misled Congress and the American public by making the situation in and around Kabul look better than it was. Two powerful pieces of evidence emerged this week that strongly suggest the Afghan exit wasn't just a case of incompetence, but rather an intentional effort to use PR lipstick to disguise a Biden plan that was secretly willing to accept chaos and stranded Americans as a possible outcome to avoid further military casualties during the exit. On Wednesday, Reuters published a leaked transcript of a call that quoted Biden asking the soon-to-flee Afghan President Ashraf Ghani. You know, he's a guy that fled the country in a helicopter purportedly with $160 million of cash along with him. To offer a narrative to change the, quote, perception of the Taliban's rapid advance in Afghanistan, quote, whether it is true or not, quote, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. This is what Biden is quoted as telling the, the now fleeing, disgraced Afghan president. Quote, and there is a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture, end quote. 
That's what our president, legal but not legitimate, told the fleeing Afghan president just days before he fled. The White House did not dispute the account of the July 23rd call, even though it suggested that an American president asked a foreign leader to assist in creating a potentially fake story. Earlier this week, Biden administration officials also conceded the president granted himself a waiver to avoid providing Congress this summer a legally required report on the dangers of withdrawing from Afghanistan, leaving lawmakers mostly in the dark about a situation in which U.S. confidence in the Afghan government and military rapidly deteriorated. Now, folks, this is uh, this seems to me to be an impeachable offense. But let me let me go on. One act of commission, another of omission that clearly created false expectations and impressions and empowered the president's top aides like Jen Psaki at the White House uh, uh, and John Kirby at the Pentagon to make pronouncements like the following, quote, every American who wants to come home will be able to do so before August 13th, August 31st, rather, <clears throat> false Every Afghan loyalist in danger could be evacuated. <clears throat> False. The Afghan army could hold Kabul for months after the U.S. departed. <clears throat> False. And they knew it. In the end, John Solomon continues, none of those pronouncements were true, and the plan failed. Scores of Americans, thousands of Afghan loyalists, and $85 billion in prized U.S. military hardware was left behind. Kabul fell to the Taliban before America's departure, and 13 U.S. troops were killed in the single bloodiest American tragedy of the Afghan war in a decade. Republican and Democratic lawmakers alike now are declaring they felt deceived by Biden and his team. You think? And the question is, what's to be done about it? Well, if you listen to Mitch McConnell, the answer, uh, you can guess. He didn't want to do anything. We'll have more when we get back. This is the Tennessee Star Report and Michael Patrick Layton. Welcome back to the Tennessee Star Report with your host, Michael Patrick Lee. And welcome back to the Tennessee Star Report. It is 5.18 a.m. Broadcasting live from our studios on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. We will get back to the debacle in Afghanistan, which only gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And then worse. But. I want to talk about some local stories here of note. So um, there are a, a number of things that are troublesome uh, in terms of COVID. Right now, there are reports that uh, uh, hospitalizations are at, uh, for COVID patients are at record high here in Tennessee. That is very troublesome. Of course, we've had now the Delta variant, which uh, is uh, apparently much more transmissible than uh, uh, than the original COVID-19. 
And uh, there are more uh, children that are in uh, being hospitalized as a result of this. So this is very, very troublesome. The uh, There was a, a kind of a bizarre PR effort that went on yesterday, organized by Demetria Kalademus. Remember Demetria? Demetria was for, I don't know, three decades, the news anchor at WSMV, had a little bit of a, what, what would you call that, a little riff with them and left uh, under terms that were, well, they, they were icy, shall we say. How long ago did she leave? Three or four years ago. She has her own production company now. And she put together this event. And I watched it yesterday. And it was it was purported to be a town hall on COVID-19. And there was some interesting information. Uh, but then there was some misrepresentation of data. Uh, yes, 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 I know. How could that be? I'm just telling you. I listened very carefully, and uh, we, we'd like to get uh, Demetria in. I don't think she gets up this early of these days, by the way. But what, what was, I think, troublesome to me, apparently all four local uh, television stations simulcast this thing. It was like from 4 o'clock yesterday to 5 o'clock. I, I actually uh, just got back from my travels and... Uh, was settling down. I thought, well, I'll, I'll watch this and take notes and, and report uh, to everybody on the program. So it was on all four of their local television stations for an hour. It was conducted at the Grand Ole Opry. And there was some information I thought that was interesting, but then there was other that was, you know, very, very slanted in in not such a hot, not such a good way, frankly. So there was Demetria, socially distanced from Dr. Alex Jahangir. He's the chair of the Metro Public Health Board. And, uh, you know, somebody who clearly enjoys having that quasi-dictatorial power over people. Uh, and then there was a uh, um, Dr. Hildreth, who's the head of Meharry uh, Medical, as well as um, a, a, a doctor who's head of pediatrics at Vanderbilt, and then an ICU nurse. And they started off uh, talking a little bit about things that I thought, there were some things that were helpful. They described a little bit of the difference between uh, the COVID that was first introduced in March of 2020. By the way, that is almost a year and a half ago. Now, Actually, it is a year and a half ago, March of 2020, because we're in September now. And uh, apparently uh, it is about uh, several times uh, more likely uh, to be transmitted. It's more transmissible. So in other words, uh, uh, back at the beginning of COVID, according to Dr. Jahinger, uh, one person would infect two. Now one can infect six with the Delta variant. And we do see evidence of uh, an increasing number of cases and increasing hospitalizations. Now, when they talked about uh, things to do uh, if you get it, um, it well, I was pleased to see that uh, there was an effort to focus on monoclonal uh, uh, antibodies, uh, uh, which is very good at Regeneron and things of that nature. So we were um, very, very 
happy. Uh, I was happy to see that was highlighted in terms of treatment. But beyond that, um, it was there was a bunch of assertions made by these and, and self-congratulatory elements of it, which would kind of put me off. In particular, uh, both Dr. Hildreth and uh, Dr. Jahangir talked about uh, all of the uh, uh, the uh, what's the great word you know the 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 attacks being made against medical personnel that's got to stop something along those lines that's just you know ridiculous to to uh, to to pretend that people are uh, physically attacking uh, medical professionals that was very very misleading I thought the other part of this towards the end um, they started talking about uh, uh, Masks, a- and Demetria did not ask the very obvious question, which would have been, and, and we've got. I mean, it's just crazy that we are all over this again. The medical efficacy of masks. There is no clinical research trial that shows medical efficacy of, of masks. No, zip zero nada. Now. Uh, we've been doing this for like a year and a half. This has been well known. And yet every single one of those, quote, experts there said, got to wear masks, got to wear masks, got to wear masks. None of them provided any medical evidence, any clinical trial evidence to support that. And Demetria did not press on that. I thought it was, you know, just another example of state control propaganda, and it was very, very disconcerting to see this continue. But we're seeing this continue at a very high level. There's a big, big push, mass, 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 masks. No medical efficacy. I feel like I'm in Groundhog Day all over again. What is it about uh, the public health establishment what is it about medical professionals where they just are not willing to acknowledge the evidence that masks have no medical efficacy in, in stopping the spread of COVID-19? Now, related to that, now you're seeing political pushes uh, to basically ignore the science and force every K-12 kid around the country, and in parts of Tennessee, to wear masks. Now, part of it has to do with the fact that people see a problem and, and with the increase in the number of COVID cases among kids at schools, K-12 schools, and among teachers. Uh, that's a legitimate concern. There's no question about that. But but the question is, why do something that is, as, as Clay Travis said, is just cosmetic theater? the whole mass thing. Why is there a push for that? Because it has no impact. It is just theater. And uh, we'll see, when we get back, we'll talk a little bit about this political organization in Rutherford County purportedly saying uh, parents want masks. Really? Do they? They don't want them in Williamson County. We'll be back with more. This is the Tennessee Star Report. I'm Michael Patrick Blake. Welcome back to the Tennessee Star Report with your host, Michael Patrick Leahy. You feel sick that I never thought we would see our government, uh, our president, 
leave people in the most dangerous place in the world and then call it a success. Yeah, this is uh, very Orwellian, very, very disturbing. We're going to talk a little bit more about Afghanistan in this segment. So uh, according to Joe Biden and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Milley, and Secretary of Defense Austin, this debacle is a success. What? Are you kidding me? Uh, who are you going to believe? What they say or your lying eyes, right? This is, it's an utter disgrace what's going on in Afghanistan. Um, the White House, this is from Breitbart, refuses to confirm or deny embarrassing details of Joe Biden's call with Afghanistan's president. The White House on Wednesday, refused to address leaked details of a conversation between President Joe Biden and Afghanistan President Ashraf Ghani, revealing concerns about the government collapse as early as July. Quote, I'm not going to get into private diplomatic conversations or leaked transcripts of phone calls. White House Press Secretary Jen, let's circle back, Pisaki told reporters on Wednesday, when asked about reports, uh, the Reuters report revealed details of the transcript of, of a July 23rd conversation where Biden urged Ghani to show the world they were competing militarily with the Taliban. This is the, the quote that we talked about uh, earlier in the in this hour. Quote, there is a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. This is what Biden told Ghani urging him to try to change the narrative. The, the report demonstrates that Biden knew the conditions in Afghanistan were going poorly, even though he publicly signaled confidence in the government's defense against the Taliban. And the White House had repeated that no one could have known Afghanistan could have fallen so quickly. <laughs> A lie. Total lie. On August 10th, Biden tried himself to rally behind the notion that Afghanistan leaders would step up to send a different message to the world. Quote, I think there's still a possibility. You have a significant new Secretary of Defense, our equivalent of a Secretary of Defense in Afghanistan, Bismili Khan, who is a serious fighter. <laughs> this was what Biden said uh, on August 10th. Really? A serious fighter? There's no fight in, in in those guys. That was all just phony. It was entirely phony. Now, I want to go back to this report that we talked about. We did a great story. Our, our Eric Burke at the Star News Network did a great story on this. And the waiver that the president uh, uh, issued back, uh, this would be back in uh, in a June letter he sent two congressional committees that violated the law. The, the letter would, allowed him to make a weave, waiver of providing a report on Afghanistan and, and, and the details of the withdrawal if he determined it was in the national interest. But uh, he had to detail in that waiver letter why uh, it was in the national interest not to do that. He didn't do that in his letter. Let me read this letter. June 8th. 2021. It was a letter to certain congressional committees regarding Afghanistan. 
consistent with Section 1215D of the 2021 National Defense Authorization Act. It was signed into law, by the way, January 10th, about 11 days before uh, the legal but not legitimate Joe Biden was inaugurated as president. I have determined that a waiver of the limitation under subsection 1215A is important to the national security interests of the United States. Now, he can do that under that law. You can you can do that. He can put it he can say there a waiver on providing the details on the withdrawal. But he has to provide details of why it's in the national security interest not to provide those details. He didn't do that in the letter. Uh, here's what he said. I- interestingly enough, it's over the past few decades, the United States and our partners have trained hundreds of thousands of Afghan troops. The Afghan National Defense and Security Forces currently number close to 300,000, and they will continue to fight valiantly to protect the Afghan citizens. Really? This is what Joe Biden was telling the American people on June 8th through these the waiver letter to congressional committees. Really? Now, according to all that we've seen, he knew this was a lie. And yet, this is the lie that he told Congress. Quote, with the support of the Congress, we will continue to support the Afghan National Defense and Security Forces. We will also continue to support the rights of Afghan women and girls and to maintain significant humanitarian and development assistance to Afghanistan. Well, that's a total lie. You, you know, what rights do Afghan women and girls have right now? None. None. They are at the mercy of the Taliban. Uh, he continues his description. In this letter, quote, we will withdraw responsibly, deliberately, and safely in full coordination with our allies and partners. Our NATO allies and operational partners who have stood shoulder to shoulder with us for almost 20 years and have also made great sacrifices will now withdraw alongside our forces as we stand by our enduring principle of in together, out together. Well, not really. I mean... The American forces just skedaddled, surrendered, left, just ran out of the country. There was a power vacuum. There were reports also that the Taliban were willing to concede Kabul to America as part of the withdrawal. And guess what? Joe Biden apparently said no. This guy, how is this guy president of the United States? Well... It, he's he's legal, but he's not legitimate. We've we've documented this many a time, and I think this is more than an excellent example uh, that the guy does not represent America or American interests. Also, <clears throat> relevant to this, we have a story at the Tennessee Star right now. Related, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says Biden won't be impeached. Well, there, there is there is a bastion of moral courage there, right? Mitch McConnell, citing the slim Democratic Party majority in both chambers of Congress, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell ignored calls within the Republican Party and insisted yesterday President Joe Biden will not be impeached, even though the dereliction of duty in Afghanistan 
the destruction of American prestige around the world is probably the single most uh, harmful foreign policy action of any modern American political president. This is the beginning of the unraveling of the American century. There's no question about it. And it's because Joe Biden is the legal but not legitimate president of the United States. And Mitch McConnell ought to be doing a lot more than he's doing. But it's same old, same old for this guy. Quote, well, look, the president is not going to be removed from office. There's a Democratic House, a narrowly Democratic Senate. That's not going to happen, he said at an event in Kentucky. Nah, you know, this is this is this is this is cowardly. Now, here is what Marsha Blackburn said, quote, it's time for accountability, starting with those whose failed planning allowed these attacks to occur in Afghanistan. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Anthony Blinken, Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley should all resign or face impeachment and removal from office. The only reason we were even forced to defend the Hamid Karzai International Airport was that Joe Biden went against the advice of top military leaders and abandoned Bagram Airfield. The deadly actions of Joe Biden and his national security team put the terrorists in control. That was Senator Marsha Blackburn. It said McConnell directed attention to the upcoming 2022 midterm elections. Recent polling has shown that the crisis in Afghanistan has caused Biden's poll numbers to heavily decline. According to an ABC News Ipsos poll, approximately 60 percent of American voters disapprove of Biden's decision making. There was also a report. Rasmussen reports said 60 percent of American voters want Biden out, want him to be either resign or be impeached. Mitch McConnell is not paying attention to that. Uh, And let's be honest, besides acting and putting out press releases, what is Senator Marsha Blackburn doing? I mean, again, I I will bring back the thing that Senator Blackburn could do, the thing that Senator Haggerty could do and should do, in my view, is this. Remember, remember back to January 6th. What happened on January 6th? Well, there was plenty of evidence out there that the election had been was unlawful and both senator haggerty and senator blackburn promised to object to the sitting of a number of electoral college votes particularly in georgia and arizona after the riot they switched their votes and uh, senator haggerty has come in and faced the music and told us why he didn't give us he gave us an explanation wasn't that good but we you know he, he faced the music Senator Blackburn has not has not been on the program since then because she doesn't want to answer that question. She's our friend, but that's a question that should be answered. We'll be back after this. This is the Tennessee Star Report.
Welcome back to the Tennessee Star Report with your host, Michael Patrick Lake. Across the country, the vast, vast majority of those who are hospitalized, vast majority, are individuals who have not been vaccinated. That has not changed. And any health and medical expert, whether it's Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, uh, Dr. Walensky, will tell you that vaccination uh, is very effective in protecting from hospitalization and death and serious illness. And that is Jen Psaki. Circle back. Uh, it, how do you know she's lying? Her lips are moving. In that particular case, uh, what she said appears to be what is being reported around the country that hospitalizations are hospitalizations are up. And uh, uh, okay, <laughs> sorry, we we had a little internal communications going on there, folks. Anyways, we're talking about Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki, uh, we're talking about COVID. Now, we have some facts here that are being reported. Uh, WSMV is reporting that uh, basically the state has set hospitalization records for COVID-19. I'll just read the story from WSMV. COVID-19 hospitalizations have hit a record number here in Tennessee, exceeding the number the state saw in January. The use of ICU beds and ventilators is also above the previous spike. ICU uh, use is 20% above the spike, and ventilator use is 40% higher, according to data from Vanderbilt Department of Health Policy. Now, uh, you know, this is the, the gen- generic numbers. I don't have the exact numbers here in this story. Uh, we probably ought to get that. We'll get that here in, in another story that we have at about uh, Sumner County. It's a spike Tennessee has never seen before. Tennessee saw a similar rise uh, in the number of hospitalizations in January, but it was more a gradual rise. The current surge is steeper, and it's even worse for one specific group of people. Uh, Vanderbilt just showed earlier this week those are on vents, those are in the ICU, and those who have been admitted to the hospital are still unvaccinated. Brian Todd, spokesperson for Metro Nashville Public Health Department, Todd blames the spike in COVID-19 hospitalizations on Tennessee's vaccination rate, which is right now at 42%. Now, I will say this. I've heard that. And um, most reports that I've seen show that people, virtually everybody who is hospitalized did not get a vaccination. But I will say that the reports that I've seen that states that have higher vaccination rates and that have mass mandates, they also have seen record levels of hospitalizations. So I think you got to take this as evidence that, you know, cases of of the Delta variant of COVID-19 are continuing and hospitalizations are continuing. Um, So I want to go back to this, uh, the impact here on uh, the rise of COVID-19 cases, the impact that it has on schools here in Middle Tennessee. A lot of schools closing down, Rutherford County, uh, closing down some schools. We'll talk about that just in a bit. Also, Sumner County, this is a story at the Tennessee Star by our own Olivia Adams. Sumner County schools announced closure next week to, quote, help mitigate the spread of COVID-19. Sumner County schools announced on Wednesday that all district schools will be closed next week from September 7th to September 10th to help mitigate the spread of COVID-19 among students and staff. The announcement was made on Facebook noted that schools will utilize inclement weather days. There will be no instruction via Google Classroom during this time period. 
There will, however, be extracurricular activities will continue but must occur after normal school dismissal time. This is from Sumner County. Next week's closures come as COVID-19 cases continue to climb. An analysis on Monday by the Tennessee Department of Health found that children ages 0 to 18 made up 38% of all new COVID-19 cases in the state. This is up from 35% the prior week. On August 31st, the number of statewide COVID-19 hospitalized patients hit 3,500. The number of statewide COVID-19 hospitalized pediatric patients was 73. So, well, let's put it in another way. If there are, uh, you know, upwards number of new cases, uh, 2,500 new cases among uh, pediatric uh, kids age 0 to 18, but there's 73 are hospitalized. It still is a relatively low rate of hospitalization. Uh, there's a bit of a mess going on about this whole thing, though, right? Because two weeks ago, the U.S. Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, wrote a letter stating that Governor Billy's mask mandate opt-out policy, you know, this is a kind of a, oh, I don't know, a bit of a compromise that that uh, is kind of mangled in my view. What Governor Lee's executive order said is that if school districts put mask mandates out, parents can opt out of it. But the Secretary of Education says this, quote, may infringe upon a school district's authority to adopt policies to protect students and educators as they develop their safe return to in-person instruction plans required by federal law. Well, you know, what is what what is who's running the schools here? Is it the federal Department of Education or the state? It's the state, folks. The state is the issue. However, this is a, a highly controversial issue. And it's one, frankly, that the governor has sort of dodged with that, you know, uh, split the baby kind of decision. Uh, and then it's one that really calls out for, in my view, a special session of the Tennessee state legislature to clarify these issues and to make it clear, because what's happened now is that counties that don't like uh, Governor Lee's order, uh, executive order, are suing him. And that's going to wind through the court systems. A special session, we'll talk about this when we get back, uh, about the details of a special session that's being called for. Um, we'll be back after this. You're listen- oh, by the way, Amy Wilhite joins us at 630. And Lori Cardoza with Proclaiming Justice to the Nation, joins us at 6.15. And then a special Thursday treat at 7.15, the one and only Neil McCabe will be with us. Neil McCabe, of course, uh, the best Washington correspondent in the country. He reports for the Star News Network and will give us the latest ridiculous actions coming out of Congress. This is the Tennessee Star Report. I'm Michael Patrick Leahy. We'll be back. After the news.